Hello, and welcome to episode 125 of Killer Hangover. I'm Beth. And I'm Bettina. I hope everybody had a very happy Thanksgiving. I know we did. Yes, we did. And Christmas is up officially. <laughs> oh, I love this time. Love, love this time of the year. It's, I always, I said it's my favorite about Halloween. I said it's my favorite about Thanksgiving. I've said it. <laughs> <laughs> she lives in the present. It is her favorite apparently in the present. I, apparently I do. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, this episode is going to be a little different. Uh, I had a case that I was very, very passionate about. Yes. And we covered it on our Patreon. We covered the trial on our Patreon and mm-hmm. a little about the case. I wanted to do more justice for the story. So I am going to be covering that story here for you all. This episode might be a little longer. And because this is a recent event, I called the shots. If anybody wants to be disappointed, it's my fault. I didn't feel it appropriate to end with uh, paranormal just because it is still very sensitive, very new. So we will not be ending with paranormal. It just didn't feel right. She did pass it by me. (laughs) She didn't just call the shot. She did pass it by me. And I was like, no, I totally agree. It just seems wrong to follow up with the paranormal. So, yeah. You're just getting this horrendous crime, but we do have a cocktail. Of course we have a cocktail. We have to have a cocktail and it's a very fitting cocktail. Mom, you chose the cocktail. What are you drinking? Okay. This is beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. It's called Royal Blue Cocktail. I mean, it pretty much sums it up. (laughs) (laughs) It's an absolutely gorgeous royal blue color it's served in a martini glass and you put a rim of sugar around it which i did by the way i do like those rims yes you do (laughs) so this is what it consists of a lime wedge and coarse sugar or grounded sugar so the lime you put around the rim of the glass the lime juice and then you dunk it in the sugar to get the sugar rim. Don't get in the sugar. You don't get. <laughs> a fourth a cup of cranberry juice, two tablespoons of citron vodka, or just vodka, two tablespoons of blue carousel, and one tablespoon of fresh lime juice. Oh, that sounds so fresh. <laughs> Fill the cocktail shaker with ice, add the cranberry juice, the vodka, the carousel, the lime juice cover and shake that baby up uh, and then strain into a martini glass. Kind of, it wasn't hard to do. Is it tart? It is a little tart, but you've got the carousel, which, you know, has a more flowery, sweetie kind of flavor. So it's not terribly tart. It's very refreshing. And the color is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Beth, I know, but can you tell our listeners why we chose to do a blue cocktail? Okay, so I will be covering the Waukesha Christmas Parade attack on this episode. And 
Mom, I don't know if you are aware, but actually as we're recording this today, it is November 21st, 2022. The attack happened on November 21st, 2021. Yep. So it is exactly a year ago today that this attack happened. That we're recording this. Yes, I actually did realize that. On the city of Waukesha's website, it states that everyone is asked to light a blue light outside of their home or business from November 21st, 2022 through the holidays as a show of community, unity, and support on the one-year anniversary of the Waukesha Christmas Parade tragedy. So I thought it fitting when mom said she was going to come up with a cocktail. I said, let's do something blue. Blue. So I picked the bluest I could find. Yes. In full support of the Waukesha community, a beautiful community. We recorded about this trial in this case back on November 7th for our Patreon episode. I'm going to play for you guys some of the Patreon episode that was pre-recorded before sentencing. A little background about the case. It walks to the trial and introduces you to Daryl Brooks. Since that Patreon episode, there has been a sentencing. It happened on November 15th and 16th. So after the trial information is played from the Patreon episode, Mom and I will further discuss the sentencing that happened earlier this month. Take a deep breath. This one was a tough one. On Sunday, November 21st, 2021, Main Street was crowded with families and friends of Waukesha, Wisconsin. The year prior was good old COVID year and the parade was missed. The parade was a very looked forward tradition in the community. 2021 was the 58th year of the fun, festive holiday event. There were more than 60 groups walking in the parade celebrating the theme of comfort and joy. Christmas music played, dancing and celebrating filled the streets. Local church groups, businesses and marching bands walked down the main street. A youth baseball and softball club handed out candy to the children sitting on the curb, jumping and waving as the groups passed. There were marching bands from the local schools and dance teams. One dance team, the Dancing Grannies, was one of the community's favorites. Oh. The parade started at 4 o'clock that day. Not even an hour after the parade began, a, quote, trail of carnage and chaos, unquote filled Main Street of Waukesha, Wisconsin. Now, we've all heard about this case. Uh, Maybe I should rephrase that, though. We've all been aware of this trial and the perpetrator, Daryl Brooks. It was all over the news recently, how he represented himself and his antics and all the drama in the courtroom. I watched the trial online on YouTube on either Law and Crime or with my favorite, Emily D. Baker. Again, maybe I should rephrase that. I watched most of the trial. There were several times I got beyond frustrated and had to turn it off. Mm. I got really impatient with the judge and the patience that she had for Brooks. It was a mess in the courtroom. Yelling from Brooks. He talked over the judge. I mean, within hours of trial starting, he was excused. He was excused several times to another courtroom because of his behavior, where they conferenced him in and the judge even muted him several times. Oh my gosh. It was a mess. All of that being said, the antics from him and all the drama and frustration in his antics and the drama took the focus away from what was happening. 
This was a court case where Daryl Brooks was being charged with 76 criminal counts, including six first-degree intentional homicide charges, six counts of fatal hit-and-run, two counts of felony bail jumping, and one count of misdemeanor domestic battery. Jeez. On November 21st, 2021, Daryl Brooks killed six people and injured well over 60. At a news conference the day after the incident, the chief medical officer from the Children's Hospital in the area said that 18 children had been brought to the hospital from the parade. They were between the ages of 3 and 16. Mm. Ten of those children were in the ICU, and six were in critical condition. Two of those children were brothers, 8-year-old Jackson and 12-year-old Tucker. They were walking in the parade with their baseball team, the Blazers. Tucker was being cared for for a fractured skull. Jackson had massive injuries and underwent brain surgery. Eight-year-old Jackson Sparks died from his injuries. Now, I've said it many times, and like I mentioned, I may get a little emotional about this, but it's a subject I'm very passionate about. Many, many true crime and news articles share about the perpetrator. They lose sight of the victims. And I don't know about you, Mom, but I remember when this happened. I remember hearing about it for a moment. Mm. And then the news moved on. I remember, and I'm sure the names of the victims were listed in some way. I don't remember ever seeing the names of the victims. I'm sorry. And, you know, the media does what it has to do. They have a job to do. So they, they moved on. But I don't really remember as much time as they're giving him in court in all of the media all over everywhere. I don't remember them giving this much time to the actual incident. But I want to take some extra time to share not only the crime, but who those six parade victims were. Thank you. I put this timeline together from the facts of the court case that I watched. Um, I learned a lot in the, you guys are all going to roll your eyes at me, but I learned a lot in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. (laughs) I was hooked to that trial. I watched every second of it from beginning to end every day. And what was, what... (laughs) My point is (laughs) that what I was reading in the media was so wrong from what I had seen in court that day with my own eyes. They took a quote and they used it in a different way or they interpreted different things and made it more dramatic than it needed to be. They're just trying to sell paper. And it made me so mad to see the way the media twisted things. Mm -hmm. So when I heard that the Daryl Brooks trial was going to be live, I wanted to tune in. I was very curious as to what I was going to see again, just like the Johnny Depp Amber Heard. And sure enough, yeah, yeah, his antics were insane. And there were so many times I'm just like, is this seriously (laughs) happening? (laughs) But the prosecution did such a great job. And there I don't think I walked away from a single day of trial without tears because of everything. But you didn't read about that in any of the media. You just read about his antics. And it just drove me crazy because it took away from what, why this man was in trial to begin with. Mm -hmm. So, okay, enough, Beth. Get off your soapbox. I put this timeline together from the facts of the court case that I watched, different news articles and news segments that, like, I got quotes from that I trusted. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. So sometime in the afternoon of... 
of November 21st, 2021. I would say around three o'clock, there was an altercation out at Frame Park in Waukesha. And someone calls into police saying that one of the people involved in the altercation had a knife. Two individuals involved in the altercation are Erica Patterson and Daryl Brooks. Now, Erica and Daryl had a past together. They met in Nevada when Erica was just 15 and Daryl got her pregnant. How old was he? It was wrong. (laughs) Um, And he was actually convicted in 2006 of statutory sexual seduction after impregnating her. And from there, he was required to register as a sex offender. Mm. Oh, okay. Which later on, he does not do as he moved. He moved a lot and he didn't register as a sex offender so there were hearings that he didn't attend and warrants for his arrest and this but this isn't about him i'm sorry i'm not gonna go down he had a record since 1999 is when things all started with him and they were all pretty bad stuff it wasn't like little minor things here and there okay and then he would avoid going to court and then there would be warrants for his arrest and then he'd only serve you know minimal sentences and it was gotcha yeah gotcha anyway so this is about 17 years later and the two had bounced back and forth into each other's lives they have a 15 year old child together and erica and daryl they had been living at his mother's house but daryl wasn't allowed to sleep in his mother's house the two slept in his mother's SUV at night. Oh, jeez. The red Ford Escape mm. that okay. would be used in the parade. Mm-hmm. Okay. Again, on that day, November 21st, at this time, the two are living separately, and Erica was living at the woman's shelter in town. The two were arguing back and forth through text messages, and she was at Frame Park with two friends. Uh, she had told Daryl where she was so that they could meet up. He came and the fighting over text now became fighting in person. She got in his vehicle in the red SUV. And as they were driving around, the two started really yelling at each other and he hit her in the face. Oh, she got out of the vehicle and called her friends that she had been with at Frame Park and started walking back Mm -hmm. to the park to be with them. Daryl followed her in the SUV. As she walked, he was yelling at her through the open passenger side window. There was another altercation, this time with the two friends present. Daryl Brooks then drove off in a rage at the situation. One of the friends called the police, stating to them that Daryl had a knife, although Daryl did not have a knife. The caller just really wanted the police to come sooner rather than later. I got you so exaggerated it. As police officer Jeremy Phillips arrived at the scene to interview Erica on the situation, He received word over his radio that multiple people were hit on Main Street at the parade. The parade had began at 4 o'clock on the corner of East Main Street and White Rock Avenue. Christmas music and excitement filled the air. Around 4.30, a dark red Ford Escape drove through a barricade at North Hartwell Avenue and East Main Street and started down the parade route. A webcam on the Waukesha County Historical Society building showed the SUV speeding down the street. A witness on the stand at trial reported 20 miles per hour. When Brooks questioned her, and you think that's fast? Her response was, for a parade? Yeah. Other reports reported that they guessed he was going 30 miles per hour at a time. 
Jeez. He headed down the road in a swivel action, going from the right side of the road to the left side of the road, back and forth. He went down Main Street, hitting his first victims between Gasper Street and North Barstow Street. The Waukesha High School marching band, playing Christmas tunes, quickly turned to sounds of shrieks and screams as he drove through the band. Again, driving to the right and to the left, he headed towards the next group, the Blazers Baseball Fast Pitch Softball Club, where many were hit, including Jackson and Tucker Sparks. Brooks then drives the SUV through the Waukesha Extreme Dance Team. Fox 6 Now reporter Sam Kramer estimated that up to 20 girls on the dance team were struck. The team put out a statement two days after the incident. Quote, Sunday was a traumatic nightmare for the children, their families, and our entire community. Our dancers have a multitude of serious physical injuries. Of those, five dancers are currently in the ICU. Unquote. Waukesha's Citizens Bank had a float next in the parade, and 52-year-old Jane Coolidge was marching next to it. She had just started working for the bank about a year prior, and, quote, in that time, she shared her bright spirit with everyone around her, unquote. The bank shared this statement on their Facebook page. Jane was a mother, a grandmother. Her family suffered an unimaginable loss. The Dancing Grannies, a treasured dance cheer group in Waukesha, were the next victims. The group lost three members that day. Four, actually, if you include 81-year-old Wilhelm Hospel, the husband to one of the dancing grannies, Lola. He was a big supporter of Lola and her dancing friends. He attended all of their shows and was walking next to them in the parade, carrying their water bottles that day. Lola obtained some serious injuries as well, but she did survive. Wilhelm was the youngest of four brothers, born in Germany. He and his brothers were very close. Another unimaginable loss. The three dancing grannies that lost their lives that day were Virginia, or Ginny, Sorensen, Leanna, or Lee, Owen, and Tamara Durand. Ginny was 79 and was carrying the banner that day in the parade. She was a leader of the dancing grannies. A police witness said that Ginny was, quote, tossed in the air like a rag doll, unquote. She was a nurse and took her job very seriously and loved her work. Her granddaughter is honoring her grandmother and following her footsteps to become a nurse. Ginny was beloved, and the dancing grannies made mention of that in their statement. Quote, everyone who knew Ginny knows she had a special soul one that radiated with love. She was a caregiver through and through, whether caring for patients, family, and especially in caring for her beloved furry friends, unquote. Lee was 71 and was a woman all about her family. She worked as an apartment manager for a job, but her passion was her family. Her son, Chris, told CNN, quote, she was kind, loving, and lit up every room she was in. He said that her organs were going to be donated. Quote, that's my mom, giving still, even when there's nothing left to give. I'm so proud of her. 
And then Tamara, she was 52 and was the newest member to the Dancing Grannies. This was her first performance with the group, and she was so excited about it. She posted a beautiful photo of her and her pom-poms on her Facebook with a very excited message. Her husband said that dancing was her happy place. Quote, she was vibrant, energetic. Everyone knew her. She was that kind of person that captured your attention as soon as she walked in the room. Unquote. Tamara did a lot around the Waukesha community. She'd worked as a teacher, as a chaplain at the Memorial Hospital, as a recruiting assistant at Virgin Media, but had just retired, caring for her grandson a few days during the week and volunteering the rest of her time for the local hospital and the Red Cross. Quote, she was always like a cheerleader. She literally danced her way through the day. And Daryl Brooks kept driving. This is where the argument from prosecution came in. This is all evidence in their argument in court that this was an intentional attack. He hit a human being and kept going. Hit another and another and another and kept going. A policeman, many policemen, hit the hood of his car yelling for him to stop and he kept going. A human being was described as a rag doll. Another witness on the stand described the people looking as bowling pins flying up in the air as he hit them. God, I can't imagine. And he kept going. He drove through the Catholic community and kept going. Now, he claimed in court that he was trying to stop, that he was honking his horn and the brakes weren't working. Blech. I'm not going into any of that. His excuse, his reasons, it's all bullshit. Excuse my language. He kept going. His window was rolled down. If it were really the brakes, he'd be yelling as well as honking. Move, move. I can't stop. Move out of the way. None of that. Try to hit a building to slow yourself down. Right. Not going back and forth in a street hitting crowds of people and hitting people would slow you down. But he kept going. Quote, he reached speeds of approximately 30 miles per hour. That's intentional. He plowed through 68 different people. 68. How can you hit one and keep going? How can you hit two and keep going? Unquote. And this was from Waukesha County District Attorney Susan Oper. Main Street is a straight street he was driving down. The road comes to a curve, and it curves a pretty sharp curve down Northwest Avenue. He came to the intersection of Northwest Avenue and Wisconsin Avenue, and police fired three shots at the vehicle, striking it three times. Daryl Brooks kept driving. The Main Street was left in total disarray. I think carnage was a fitting word used. Where my heart sank and where I hope I can even say this uh, was when prosecution detailed the amount of shoes all over the road. People were hit so hard with such force that they were hit out of their shoes. The absolutely beat up red Ford was found abandoned in a backyard off Maple. 
Daryl Brooks was seen on surveillance cameras and security cameras throughout the neighborhood, walking hurriedly through parking lots, backyards, and down alleys. Later, his hoodie and a flip-flop was discovered in a treehouse, kind of a toy house in someone's backyard. Again, proof that prosecution used. He was intending to hide himself, change his appearance. Sure. He knocked on a few doors, a man eventually allowing him in. Waukesha Mm. resident Daniel Ryder testified that Brooks entered his home just minutes after the parade incident. Ryder told the jury Brooks said he was homeless and he was waiting for a lift ride. Now, this was all captured on the ring doorbell on his front porch. Okay. And the feeling I got was that Ryder was kind of taking his time and giving him his phone because he heard the sirens and he was arrested outside of Ryder's home. Days after the horrendous drive down Main Street, Brooks was charged with dozens of felonies and six charges of first-degree intentional homicide. Bail was set to $5 million. A week or so later, on December 1st, it was Brooks' mother who released a statement. Brooks, unknowing to his mother's statement, also gave a jailhouse interview that same day. Parts of his mother's statement read, quote, Daryl has suffered from mental health issues since he was very young. In those years, he received counseling and was on medication. When he became an adult, a decision was made that he no longer suffered from a mental illness. That decision left him with no insurance or financial means to pay for medication and when determined necessary counseling. She added, instead of offering help and resources to combat the problem, a jail cell was given over and over again. When mental illness is not properly treated, the person becomes sicker and sicker. It doesn't go away once a person becomes an adult. Unquote. Brooks' interview, in his jailhouse interview, he claimed victim, stating he was being dehumanized and, quote, I just feel like I'm being monster demonized. Unquote. Initially in June 2022, Brooks changed his plea to guilty for the parade attack by reason of mental disease or defect known as the insanity defense, but then withdrew this plea in September of 2022 this year because the court ordered psychiatric evaluations that did not support the claim (laughs) of the insanity defense. Later in September, the judge, Judge Duro, granted Brooks' request to represent himself in trial. The two lawyers that were representing him previously had asked to be withdrawn from the case. Interesting. Within hours that the jury trial began, Brooks was kicked out of the courtroom. According to Justia.com, the defendant in that case was, quote, removed from the courtroom for repeated disruptive behavior and the use of vile and abusive language directed at the trial judge, notwithstanding the judge's prior warning that removal would have follow another outburst unquote it just kept going and going it just kept getting worse he spoke over prosecutors he got angry with them he started yelling at them um he really hated that they called him a sex offender uh he talked over the judge he asked repetitive questions under his breath even when asked not to mention it again he really wanted jurisdiction changed if you had a lawyer maybe you would have I I don't know. He even declared at one point that Daryl Brooks was not his name. (laughs) 
So when he was removed, he was placed in another courtroom and they conferenced him in. He removed his shirt. He hid under his suit jacket. The judge muted him many times. Again, the antics of this man were just deep breath. So this is he was trying to show that he was insane. At this point, he was representing himself and took away the insanity defense. He had already taken it away? Okay. Yeah. Well, he had to. He proved himself sane enough, and she agreed he was sane enough to represent to himself. To represent himself. Okay. So these it. antics are just him. Quote, this incident was not planned. This incident was not intentional. And this incident was never even thought about. Unquote. And this is what Brooks said. His 50-minute closing statements were rough to watch. He claimed that the prosecution was being dramatic, but his minute-long pauses and discussion of the Bible was enough for an eye roll or two. I don't think the video and the photos of the aftermath that the district attorney showed the jury was dramatic. It was real. It was real. Although we as viewers of the trial could not see the footage being shown, crying could be heard throughout the courtroom. And I lost it when I watched some of the prosecution attorneys crying as they watched the footage. They put that video together and they were crying in trial when that footage was on. He stated that his conscience was clear and that this was his will, meaning God's will, for this to happen. He said that a lot of lives were changed that day, including his own. And that God's way is not our own. He had no regrets, and the jury shouldn't either with their decision. And I don't think they will ever regret the guilty verdict they gave him on all counts. No, no. It had been a three-week trial. It should not have been. It probably should have only been a week. But it was because of his ridiculous, the time. I mean, I sat there. And was getting so frustrated with the patience of the judge because it was his turn to call a witness up. And he was, you know, those lawyer boxes just filled with paperwork. Mm -hmm. He was going through them and trying to find paperwork. And the judge was like, okay, I'm going to have to excuse the jury. Like it was. Oh, my gosh. That long. Oh, mom. Oh, it was horrible. In his closing statement, he cried about how his son was born while he was in prison recently and how he hadn't and will never hold his son. Are you kidding me? (laughs) You took so many people away from this world. They will never hold their children or their grandchildren or be held by their parents ever again. I will close with a bit of the closing statements from the rebuttal from Upper, the district attorney. Quote, It's time for Daryl Brooks to stop running. It's time for him to stop lying. It's time for him to be held accountable for his actions. Daryl Brooks cowardly ran his way through the parade, violently killing and injuring so many people. I'm just sad. You said he's been in and out of prison, in, released, in, released. I, I, I I wish he had just been in. I know. know. It sounds like he had a really violent streak in him. Yeah, I didn't even mention because I said I wasn't going to talk about him, but he, Erica Patterson, they got into a confrontation and he ran her over with his car. Uh, See, why wasn't he in prison? (laughs) I mean, this dude has done horrible things before this. Why wasn't he in prison? 
Yeah, I mean, I have, when I was doing my research, I did like a whole breakdown of all of his crimes. Like I had it broken down in year and let me find something really fast here. Yeah, he also shot at his nephew at a family gathering as Uh, well. He went into a speedy trial for the shooting case. How is this guy getting out? I don't understand this. His attorney lowered bail. uh, Well, if he was a flight risk, why did he even have bail? And then he did 120 years in jail for a long-running child support case because he wasn't paying child support. 120 years? He 120 days. <laughs> Brooks is arrested. He got arrested in Georgia for domestic violence. Again. Yep. Yeah, he was released on bond several times. I'm just trying to read through my notes. I'm trying to find whatever happened. Um, so November. So <laughs> it was November 2nd of 2021. So the same month that he ran through right. the parade. I had, a woman yes. told Milwaukee police that Brooks punched and drove over her leg during an argument at a gas station. Yep. He was arrested and booked. Um, as part of the intake process, sheriff's deputies checked the National Crime Information Center for his background. The years-long open warrant for skipping court in Nevada for the sex offender stuff um, and his recent arrest in Georgia had not been entered by those agencies. No. So they did not appear in the report. Oh, yeah. And then I read the next day he called his mom from the Milwaukee County Jail and he said, prosecutors can't pursue the domestic violence case if the victim does not cooperate. Wink, the wink. The call was recorded. Wink, wink. I don't he was, know. He was charged on November 5th for running her over. And he faced counts of felony bail jumping, second degree, recklessly endangering safety, resisting an officer, disorderly conduct and battery with several domestic abuse assessments attached to the charges. They looked at the bail Brooks had posted in his 2020 Milwaukee County case, 500 and doubled it. So his bond was for $1,000. And then he was released on November 16th. And then he drove through the parade on the 21st. On the 21st. I, I don't even know how he could have been. I mean, they didn't enter bond. the court. They didn't enter the. I know. I know. But why do they even have that if they're not going to properly I, enter I things? It's so frustrating. And see, that's what I'm curious if if he were to have an attorney, if they were to say, like, if the police would have done their job, then he should have been in jail and this never would have happened. But he's mentally ill. Right. Do you think they would have gone that way with it? Which other way could they go? Yeah. What like, other way could if they, they have gone? If they, if, yeah, like put it against the, all the different courts. Like if they would have done their job, he would have been in jail, but they weren't doing their job properly. So mm, this happened. Yeah. He still would have been convicted though. I would believe so. But yeah. I'm just saying it, that's an interesting argument. Ay, 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 ay. So before we move on to the sentencing... I need to clarify a couple things from the pre-recorded Patreon episode. Okay. Although I only named six victims, there were far many more. Nearly 70 people were physically injured that day. The Remembrance Post posted on Waukesha's social media on November 21st, 2022, stated that Thousands of others experienced mental and emotional injuries as well. Of course, because they witnessed all of this. Exactly. 
I know I only named six, but it was, oh, the numbers are just too great. I also need to clarify that I'm not frustrated with the judge. I know I said that in the Patreon episode, and as I was listening to it back, um, I was trying to be humorous. (laughs) I was by far not frustrated with her as much as I was frustrated with her patience. And uh, I don't even know if it's frustrated. I am very envious of her patience. She was an incredible judge. Uh, I think she showed beautiful justice in this case. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to clarify that as well. Got it. Sentencing took place over a two-day period. It began on Tuesday, November 15th, with victim impact statements, and then continued into Wednesday, November 16th, where Daryl Brooks had statements given in his defense. I think that's how I can word it. Uh, Statements on his accord, on his behalf. And then that was followed by the judge's sentencing. Okay. Again, all of this was live on YouTube. It was televised. A lot of people wondered why this was all televised, why they had this all live. And it was done publicly because the impact this crime did make on an entire community. It -hmm. was a smaller courthouse. Not everyone can fit into this courthouse. And like I said, there's a lot of people affected by this. So Well, and in a lesser way, I guess, but still the whole nation was affected by this. I mean, it's such a horrendous crime that when you heard about it, you just stood back and just, what did I just hear? What just happened? And that was something, too, that the district attorney said in her closing statements of sentencing was that they received letters from all over the nation Mm -hmm. about this case. Uh, She even read a letter from somebody in Kansas. Oh. This affected so many people all over the nation. It did. I really appreciated it being televised like it was. But I also think it was really educational to see all of the steps and procedures of a trial, especially the sentencing portion. I think that's kind of overlooked, at least I feel like I've overlooked that. And I learned a lot from watching this, like the fact that the trial is called on by the jury. They call guilty, not guilty. In this case, obviously guilty. Mm -hmm. And then sentencing is by the judge. She makes the call of how long that person is going to serve. And the trial is more based on facts and evidence, where the sentencing is, it shows the impact that this crime made on the victim, the community, and what needs to be done because of it. Okay. There were a few interruptions from Brooks during the sentencing. Uh, And there was actually also a telephone call made to the courthouse making a threat on the courthouse. No way. That put them in a recess. Now, it wasn't clarified or said that there was a threat made on so-and-so or anything, anything in particular. It was just made on the courthouse. Jeez. The sheriff's office got involved and they kind of upped their officers, the FBI and SWAT to the courthouse. um, And then sentencing continued. Oh my gosh. So like I said, the first day of sentencing was for the victim impact statements. It was a very hard day to watch. Daryl Brooks faced forward towards the judge and the statements were read at a podium behind him. Mm-hmm. He sat facing forward or reading his Bible in his orange prison garb shackled with his hands in front of him. He was cuffed. It was filled with so much emotion. 
These are statements read by either those that were hit by the red SUV in the attack or those with direct links to victims of the crime, either the injured or those killed. Like I said, there were many. Many of these victims that read statements were actually even children. There were, I believe, 45 victim statements read. They rang with emotion of sadness, lots of mention of PTSD, comments were made on how feelings of personal safety were robbed, Mm. how children get distraught with the sound of sirens. Daryl Brooks took the innocence of those children, of that community. A father expressed how his children, four and six at the time of the attack, cry when they have to cross the street. Oh my gosh. Daryl Brooks was called a monster, and he laughed. Mm. A woman expressed how someone yelled, car, as she marched in the parade, and then everything in her memory is black. She has no memory of the terror that day, and fears the day her memory chooses to reveal itself to her. Quote, PTSD throws all the punches like that, unquote. Wow. She also stated that she was blessed to be there that day in the courtroom. There was a lot of survivor's guilt. A father has flashbacks of reaching for his daughter's jacket to pull her in in the fray and missing the first time he reached for her. Oh my gosh, was she hurt? She was not. Uh, It's hard to set the picture here, but there was so much commotion after he drove through and an un an unknowingness as to what exactly was happening. Mm -hmm. There was actually word that there was an active shooter, because if you remember, as I mentioned, he drove down the parade route and then took that sharp turn. The police did fire shots at him. So word was going around that there were several people attacking the parade. There was word going around that there was an active shooter. So a lot of these injured were hurried into different buildings and businesses to take cover because they didn't know what was happening. It was very, very chaotic. And as a parent who's sitting on the sidelines waiting for their child to come down the parade, think of the absolute terror You don't know what's going on. Where the heck is my kid? And then you're seeing bodies in the street. The Sparks children, their mother was so brave to get through her statement because Tucker and Jackson were both hit that day. And she described seeing their bodies. She described seeing, you know, looking for them first and foremost and finding uh, you can tuck her shoe and then finding a hat and, and leading to her children laying oh on the ground. I, just the terror. The lists and lists of injuries. There was a lot of anger that was shown in statements as well. Yeah. Sons of victims that were killed spoke and anger filled their words. Quote, I hope they lock you up so deep that rats chew your fingers off at night. Wow. Unquote. And another said, I hope you rot and you rot slow. The anger and hurt you heard in the words of the statements read by a family member of Jane Coolidge said, the only time you hit the brakes was to get her off your hood. Oh, geez. Marshall Sorensen, the son of Ginny Sorensen, one of the victims that was killed in the attack, spoke words against Brooks, yes, but wanted to speak more about his mother and how she lived. He doesn't want her to be remembered as a victim from this monster, 
but wants mm. her to be remembered for how she lived. Quote, when I was a child, my superheroes wore capes. Today, mine wears a robe. Unquote. Ginny's oh. granddaughters spoke on her behalf as well. Oh, the little voices over that microphone. Quote, Grammy, I'll see you in my dreams. Unquote. Now, it made it a little easier for me to watch this when I kind of tapped into my anger. <laughs> yeah. Which was pretty easy to do when I watched just how Brooks rolled his eyes, he shook his head, and he even laughed as victims no. read their statements. Ugh. This did not go unnoticed. I think it made quite a statement to the judge, but there were victims that also made mention of it. And this mother that actually was supposed to read her statement earlier, she, I guess she came in late and she, oh, it was heart-wrenching, but she said, I'm actually late today because my daughter won't let me leave her side because she has separation anxiety because of what you did. And he started shaking his head and she Ugh. just put her paper down, went off script and was like, I will not be disrespected. And wow. just the strength in this woman. I, I just, oh, all of this pain, all this anger, frustration, sadness, confusion in all of that, though, there was also love, an incredible community that came together with impeccable strength. A young girl who had been hit and injured so badly that the right side of her body just wasn't working. She had a love for soccer. And to keep that love, she learned, tried to learn how to play soccer with her left side. She was also very inspired to go into the medical field or become a lawyer after this happened to her. Mm -hmm. She had strength. A young man, a baseball player, a friend to Jackson and Tucker Sparks, who was also hit that day, gave a very inspirational speech about moving forward and finding the things he loves and being surrounded by so much passion and faith from his community. One quote, and I didn't get the whole quote properly because it was through tears that I wrote it down, but it was something along the lines of finding hope and love over hate. When it thunders, I imagine Jackson is blasting a homer in over the fence. When there is a rainbow, I will imagine the dancing grannies, Ginny, Tammy, Lee, and Bill with them dancing along its lines. Mm -hmm. When there's a ray of sunshine poking through the clouds, I will imagine it is Jane smiling down on us. When it snows like it did this morning, I will imagine God's love giving us a blanket in comfort. When I see a blue light, I will see this community's commitment to help heal and support each other. These were words from one of the victim's husbands. Okay. It was just beautiful to see. Yes, there was carnage. The three-block area down the street was described as looking like a war zone, a ground zero. But one victim said it best. He wasn't going to remember the parade as all of that. He was going to remember the day and all the people that stepped forward, that sprang into action, all the people that showed up showing no regard for themselves going as far as to say that he felt blessed. He was blessed because, quote, I did not have to see the carnage, only people helping, unquote. Oh, wow. He said, I can't thank the defendant, but it did shine a light on good people. 
And as district attorney Susan Oper said, or is it Oper? I'm so sorry. Oper said at, at the end of the statements, this was an absolute good versus evil. Look at these people, she said. Look at these children. They are here to tell Mr. Brooks that you will not beat me. You will not keep me down. One statement said it best, quote, we have each other and you will have no one in a cell by yourself. Nice. A lot of those that read their statements asked the judge to give Brooks the max sentence available because mm-hmm. he, quote, gave us a life sentence of these memories, unquote. But it's not just memories. It's empty chairs around the table at birthdays and holidays, weddings and births that won't be witnessed to or had. Quote, no one knows what it's like to stand on their feet when there is no floor. Unquote. And these were powerful words from a mother of a young victim in the attack. Oh, jeez. The state asked for consecutive sentences with no chance of parole, as well as restitutions, which was barely, like barely $200,000, which, again, over 70 people hit and injured. And think of the therapy and the injury lists and the funeral costs and all of the amounts. Yeah. 200,000 is nothing. This just shows how generous this community was. And how generous people were stepping forward to help one another. Um, I actually even think that J.J. Watt, the football player, he paid for all six funerals. Yeah, again, the nation, I think, came together too. Uh, as you can tell, my voice is cracking because <laughs> <laughs> this is just, you know, and I, I try to put myself, God, I hope I never am in that position. But would I be strong enough to stand up there? I. I hope I I would be strong enough yeah. to give a a statement. And then what would my statement be? I, you know, I think I'm a very forgiving person, but my gosh, I think I would be so angry. I was so moved <sighs> by the people that even stated, I forgive you. I, I, I was blown away. Yeah, but you know what? Those people are on the right track of recovery. Because oh, they, absolutely. He's not important enough to take to take over your soul. You know, he's... You can't give him that power. So, that's so easy for me to say, though. I'm not in any... I'm not anywhere near their shoes. And some people are going to take a lot longer to forgive than others. I don't know. I, 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 after only a year, I don't know that I could find in my heart forgiveness. I don't think I could. I don't know. The second day of sentencing was on Wednesday, November 16th, 2022. It was now time for those to make statements in regards to Mr. Brooks. Uh, He had three people call in by Zoom, his mother, his grandmother, and his close friend, Michelle Allworth. On this day, this was the only day that I saw emotion from Mr. Brooks. None the day before, but on this day. He took his mask off and he cried through all three statements. Oh, he wasn't giggling and shaking his head? He cried, and he cried hard. The man, in my opinion, cried for himself and his losses. My opinion. His mother and his grandmother's statements were similar in the fact that they both discussed mental health. Quote, Mm -hmm. No one cares or sees their pain or hears their cries or pleads for help. They are the forgotten ones. His mother read, 
She also said that, quote, mental illness calls them to do the impossible. There should be some accountability, but there should also be help, unquote. She called for society to be better and for society to have compassion, empathy, and understanding for those that struggle with mental health. His grandmother, a minister of the faith, read Bible verses and again discussed mental health and society's issues with it. She claimed that Daryl had been diagnosed with bipolar since he was 12 and that that disorder, quote, caused him to drive through that crowd, unquote. That's interesting. I, I didn't think bipolar really showed itself until... It doesn't show... Well, okay, I'm not a doctor, but from what I... All I've read, it doesn't show itself until 18 or 19. You know, I'm not a doctor. It could show, I guess, itself earlier. It just, from what I've read, it usually shows itself later. You know, maybe ADHD, the child is diagnosed with ADHD or some kind of other disorder, but bipolar, I don't know. Anyway, no doubt. I have to cause, I have to call this out, though, because I got very upset by her statement caused him to drive through the crowd. I'm sorry, I'm pregnant. I'm I'm going to do my best at keeping my emotions in check here, but he did not just drive through a crowd. This wasn't just a group of 20 people standing there and he bowling balled through them. Right. Right. This was a continual decision to continue down a street. Down a street. Yeah. Down several Knocking blocks. People down. Yeah. I'm sorry, you can rephrase that by driving through several crowds of people. Yeah. As I mentioned, he had a third statement read, his friend Michelle, who claimed that they had been friends for the last 17 years, and he was always there for her. Through her medical difficulties with seizures, he helped her, gave her comfort. She also claimed that it was a manic episode that had him blacked out when he drove down the parade route. Then it was Daryl Brooks' turn to address the court. He went on for almost two hours. What? Lots and lots and lots of words. Not a single sentence or moment of those words was an apology for what he did. He shared his background, the struggle of his youth, which is fair in sentencing statements, but not a single word of remorse for what he did. Quote, one of the victims made a comment about trying to understand why this happened. That's a question I struggle with myself. The why, the how. How could life ever get this far away from what it should be? It was at this point that Emily D. Baker on her live stream on YouTube said, I believe the 11-year-old with the metal plate in her pelvis asks the same thing. Gish. He continued, learning how to wrap my head around the situation has been extremely hard. So he's making himself a victim. He's comparing himself to the victims. This situation has been hard for you. Try learning how to walk again. Try learning how to breathe again without a tube down your throat. How to survive the next days of your life without ever seeing your son or calling your mother or getting a birthday card from your grandma or your grandpa. The only time he tried to turn and face the victims, which the judge did not allow him to do, she said, nobody's ready for that, sir. Please turn back around and face me. (laughs) 
the only time he tried to turn around, though, was to tell them why he wore a mask. A lot of them mentioned that in their statements, like you wore a mask this entire time. Like, what are you hiding from? And he all he wanted to do was say, I have nothing to hide. That's the only reason why he wanted to turn around was to confront them. There was never an I'm sorry. There was never any remorse, never any sadness, except for himself. Except for himself. Yeah. Again, my opinion. He stated how no one knew his heart and no one knew the prayers he prayed or the tears he shed over the encounter in his cell at night. And I believe that. We don't know him. This is true. But this day, this was his moment to be vulnerable and share those feelings with his victims. And he never did. In my opinion, it's because he has excused himself out of all of the wrongdoings. Uh, Maybe he sees it as wrong, but I truly don't believe he sees it as his fault. Right. It's society's fault. It's his medical condition. It's the, you know, his youth. It's blah, blah, blah. Pointing fingers at everyone else. Him. Never at himself. Quote, people are going to believe what they want, and that's okay. This needs to be said. What happened on November 21st, 2021 was not, not an attack. It was not planned, plotted. When you constantly hear that perpetrated, constantly pushed, constantly pushed, constantly pushed, (laughs) you wonder why, unquote. What he lacks to understand is that this was not a narrative. This was not some story that the, the district attorney wrote up and all these people signed on. These were facts. There was evidence. This was, in fact, an attack. Maybe it was not planned or plotted. Premeditated. Yeah, probably not. But once you hit the first person. And keep going. And keep going. And you have several side roads and opportunities to get off the street. And you don't take it. I'm sorry, but what do you call that then? And then I don't you think, though, I know, like initially it's not premeditated. But when you keep going, when you can stop, but you don't and you keep going, then does it become premeditated? You know Mm. what I'm saying? I mean, mean, initially it's not, but he made the decision to keep going. So then you have thought about it in advance, but you keep doing it. Yeah. So that I would think that gradually it becomes a premeditation. Gradually it has some plan to it. I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. He ended by attacking the district attorney. And honestly, I mean this all due respect. Who cares? She can (laughs) take it. She was one tough cookie. She did a fine job at her job. And he like passively aggressively attacked her. Like he took it personal for what she had to say. And he he was like, I'm not going to respond to And then he'd like quote her and say things that she said, but like he was passively aggressively like it was just anyway. Then he addressed his children and the mother of his children the whole time during this. He's very upset and he's in tears again, in my opinion, for himself about two hours of this and no apology, no remorse. 
And we should have never expected that. We sh- he, he showed his true colors throughout this entire trial. He was disrespectful from the very beginning. Right. Yeah. He told the victims that healing is a process and that he will be praying for them through the process, but they won't be healed overnight because it's a process. Oh, are you serious? They have to heal because of what you did. They have to learn how to walk again because of what you did. They know it's a process. Oh, my gosh. The judge, in the kind way that she does, took advantage of one of his long pauses and asked him, quote, Mr. Brooks, what do you think the court should do as far as the sentences? He answered, Your Honor, and I don't want this to be taken out of context. I believe there's issues with me attempting to answer that. And here's why. I'm still confused on the true nature and cause of the charges. I don't understand (laughs) them. I also obviously the decision was already made before we even got here and I could be wrong and that's not a shock it's not a slight in any way towards your honor I will say help is needed he went on to express that he wanted help for his mental illness he went on and on about how he struggled with it and how society and the system had let him down time after time he stated that his biggest fear was to be thrown behind bars and forgotten. The judge requested a 20-minute recess, and then she'd be back with sentencing. And when she came back, she had the floor, and her entire demeanor had changed, in my opinion. She meant business. She stated that her sentencing was reflected in the reviewing of the statements of Brooks and those that spoke for him her review of the case as a whole and the trial, her review of the victims and their impact statements. And then she was going to share her sentencing, which would relate to three factors. The seriousness of the offense, meaning there would be a factor of punishment. Mm -hmm. The second factor was the need to protect the public. And the third factor of sentencing was the character and rehabilitative needs of Mr. Brooks. Okay. She began with mental health. She acknowledged that there was a, quote, crisis of mental illness intersecting in our courts, unquote. But in preparation of the trial, Brooks had been evaluated by four reputable doctors, giving her long reports of the evaluations. These doctors studied videography evidence, mental health records, his history, lots of discovery, and even met with Mr. Brooks. They all found that he suffered from cannabis abuse, intoxication, Mm. and an antisocial personality disorder. But nothing, nothing they found showed he had a serious mental health diagnosis. So not even the bipolar? No, that would be a a health, mental health diagnosis. Mental health, right. So that... Okay. A characterological disorder, maybe, but not a major mental illness. They all believed that he was enraged, and the judge even agreed he was enraged by his argument and his fight with Erica Patterson mm-hmm. earlier that afternoon. And mm-hmm. fueled by that rage, he drove into the parade route. Yep. 
It was not a mental illness that caused him to drive down the street that day. Nothing showed he was impaired. The judge made mention that in her years in service that she had seen mental illness in her courtroom several times. She had seen those that suffer with seeing things, delusions, hearing things that weren't there. She had seen people that were really suffering, and she called it heart-wrenching. She also said that his presentation was very different than theirs. She said it was heartbreaking to see those individuals who truly suffer, and sometimes they do do unspeakable things. Quote, but this, this was not one of those situations. Unquote. Wow. The judge stated that, quote, there is no medication or treatment for a heart that is bent on evil. She went on to say, some people choose a path of evil. And I think, Mr. Brooks, you are one of such persons. Unquote. Ooh. She went on to say that as a mom, her heart broke for his mother and his grandmother. And she believed it was easier for them to blame mental illness than to come to grips that their son had done such very bad things. No mental illness caused him to do what he did. The judge then walked through the trial, emphasizing on the point that the area was set up at 1 o'clock, signs, lights, barricades, and then during the attack, the streets were lined with people. There were floats, banners. It was very obvious that a parade or something was going on. He, she believed, chose to ignore all of those signs through his rage and anger. And it was around this time that Daryl Brooks set off on another verbal rampage during the sentencing. Uh, the judge was not having it. She sent him to the other courtroom and she said, you are not allowed back in this courtroom until you, I have a written pledge stating that you will not talk over me ever again. Oh, and then wow. she muted him. Wow. So did he ever make it back to the courtroom? She tried uh, when she was going to read her verdict on sentencing. She tried to have him come back in. I think because she wanted to look him in the face as she told him. Yeah, his sentence. of course. But he was just, you know, things weren't going his way. His so, rage. Yeah. In another rare court occurrence, the judge started to cry. Quote, mm. it's hard not to think about what I watched and not have this reaction. Those were images that frankly kept me up at night that I saw over and over and over and over, unquote. She walked through the witness testimonies given in trial, as well as victim impact statements that were read the day before. She quoted statements, grieving for all the victims and those involved. She truly showed some beautiful justice. I think she was so thorough with the sentence because during the trial, during the sentencing, during the statements being read, he had showed such disrespect with his eye rolls and his Bible reading and just all of his antics that she wanted to show the respect that was deserved to everybody. I mean, even in the trial, as he was questioning witnesses and essentially victim blaming them as they're on the stand, you know, why didn't you go get help right away? And uh, even his ex, uh, Erica Patterson, it was like watching the uh, the abuse like happen right there in front of all of us, the way he questioned mm. her and talked to her. And I, you know, the judge saw all of that. And right. this was her time to make that right, really give them the respect that they all deserved. Okay. And she made it very clear 
One thing that she found abundantly clear in the hearing was that Daryl Brooks knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. She said that a few times. Punishment, protection, justice, and closure. Those were the fixtures in the sentencing. Clapping ensued, which is also uncommon in court at sentencing. (laughs) Yes. But clapping ensued as the judge read that Daryl Brooks would be serving one life sentence for the death of Virginia Sorensen, one life sentence for Leanna Owen, one life sentence for Tamara Durand, one life sentence for Jane Coolidge, one life sentence for Wilhelm Hospel, and one life sentence for Jackson Sparks. All without the chance of parole. He got essentially the max for all counts, all consecutive, meaning uh, even for all of the, I think it was 61 counts that he used his vehicle as a deadly weapon. He got 762 and a half years with all of those 61 counts of recklessly endangerment. Wow. So that's on top of the. So he, that is his, yeah, that's his initial confinement. So he will have to serve. 762 and a half years. And then he has six life sentences without parole. So, and just to clarify, so say he were to get 25 to life, that means he serves 25 years and then he will be up for parole and he might face life after that. And a life for those that are listening outside of the United States, a life sentence here is a life sentence. I know in Germany, life sentence means 15 years. Um, I think in Australia, too, it's 15 years. I think it's like 25 or something like that. But a life sentence here here is to the day you take your last breath. So he has 762 and a half years of initial confinement. Then the six life sentences on top of six years for bail jumping. And last but certainly not least, nine months for the misdemeanor against Erica Patterson. Restitution will be taken from his wages, and if, God forbid, he ever tried to make money on his attack, all money will go into an escrow account that the courts have set up to pay off his restitution. And keep in mind, yes, it's like 200000 I think it's a little more than that, for this. But he has back child support that he owes. He's jumped bond and several, you know, bail jumping and several other charges and parole violations. This guy is a winner all the way around. He has other court cases coming up. (sighs) And some people even ask, like, why bother? He's already serving six life sentences plus 762 and a half years. (laughs) But I say, why not? Why not just tack it onto his record? Make it a record. Like, Why not rack it all up so it's officially with him for life? (laughs) He's not going anywhere, Beth. (laughs) (laughs) Daryl Brooks stated that his biggest fear was being forgotten. So let's forget him. It was said a lot in the sentencing. It's not the parade's fault. The parade is good. The parade brings joy. He was what was bad. And justice, at least in the case of the law, was served. They talked about how Waukesha was like a phoenix. Remember this case like that. The good that came forward. In the good versus evil that day, good has prevailed. The strength and love in that community is astounding. Good riddance, Daryl Brooks. Watching him be escorted by like 
four or five very large bailiffs <laughs> at the end of sentencing. Uh, Emily D. Baker even said on her stream, it looked like the Packers linemen were leading him out of court. <laughs> oh, no. This is the last image I ever want to see of that man. Yes, he is attempting an appeal. Um, yes, I will keep you guys posted, but he does not deserve this attention, in my opinion. No. The city no. of Waukesha, the phoenix of Waukesha does the city of waukesha will be hosting their 59th annual christmas parade oh are they sunday december 4th at four o'clock although we will not be there in person i will wholeheartedly be there in spirit a big virtual hug to all of those in waukesha your community is beautiful it's awesome there are many still mourning many still healing but they are such a strong community of bravery, love, compassion, and strength. For resources from this episode, you can find that on our website, killerhangoverpodcast.com. Please follow, subscribe if you'd like to hear any updates on this or any other case. Wherever you listen to your podcast, we're also on YouTube and social media platforms. Follow us on Patreon for other headline news and stories and interviews and the likes the link to that will be in the description of this episode today we shine a blue light for waukesha thank you for listening cheers mama cheers i love you kid